Hey, this is Travis Bennett, the pastor here at Arena of Life Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast. I pray this builds your faith, encourages you, and brings you to newer levels in Christ. Enjoy the message. I'm going to read out of Mark chapter 2. We're going to pray and jump in the Word today. I believe God has something for you. I'm going to go ahead and read it. It says this, this is the story of the paralytic that was healed. Jesus returned to Capernaum, and a few days later, the news went out that he was at home. Everybody say, at home. Come on, let's say it again, at home. He was really at Peter's house, but he was calling it home. And I don't know about you, but he, I, he's invited to my house anytime. Actually, he is at my home. I'll just go ahead and say that. Verse 2, so many people gathered together that even near the door, and Jesus was discussing with them the word of God. Then... They came, bringing him a paralyzed man who was being carried by four men. When they were unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above Jesus, and when they had dug out the opening, they let down the mat on which the paralyzed man was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, everybody say their faith. Everybody say their faith. He said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. That word forgiven means permanently dismissed. Come on, you ought to shout this morning if God has permanently dismissed all your past sins. Thank God. But some of the scribes were sitting there debating in their hearts the implication of what he had said. Why does this man talk this way? He said, he is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins, remove guilt, nullify sin's penalty, and assign righteousness except God alone? Immediately, Jesus, being full aware of their hostility and knowing in his spirit that that they were thinking this, said to them, Why are you debating and arguing about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority and power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I say to you, get up, pick up your mat, and go home. I'm going to say it one more time. I say to you, get up, pick up your mat, and go home. I'm going to say it one more time. I say to you, I'm telling you this morning, get up, pick up your mat, and go home. Amen. It's time to go home. It's time to go home. Look at your neighbor and say, homecoming. Uh, look at your neighbor and say, homecoming. Come on, find somebody. Tell them that. Look at them again and say, I'm so thankful you're here. This is for you. All right. Praise the Lord. Well, uh, if you weren't here last week, we started a brand new series called Homecoming. How many of y'all were here last week for the first installment of Homecoming. Last week, if you weren't here, we talked out of the story of Acts chapter 12. There's a story of Peter, and he is in prison. He's bound up, and, uh, but the Bible says this. After he was thrown in jail, it says, but the church prayed. And I hope that got something stirred on the inside of you, that there is power when the church prays. I'm telling you, addictions can fall off when the church prays. Fear and anxiety has to go when the church prays. Come on, healing can take place when the church prays. I'm telling you, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And what I love about the text is he was laying there. The, the, the Greek word for Peter there is he was dead asleep. And if you didn't listen to the sermon, you can go back and listen to that. But that's what I'm believing 
that during this time of homecoming, as we have declared it out of our mouth, that we are believing God. As they prayed, angels were released. As they prayed, um, I'm telling you, uh, he came up out of that sleep and he was taken back home. You know, as the church prays, I'm believing for people that are bound up in addiction, that are bound up in a mindset, that are bound up in a habit, that they're coming home in Jesus' name. Come on, what dad out there can agree with me that a son is coming home? What mama is going to agree with me out there that daughters are coming home as the church prays in Jesus' name? Amen? And so that's what we're believing God for coming into this Easter season. Uh, And today we're looking at the story of Mark chapter 2. And a year ago I preached on this particular topic. But I looked at it from a whole different lens. And I believe today God has something in store for you. And y'all hold up next week. I believe there's a a fresh vision of the story in John chapter 5 of the man that was at the pool of Bethesda for 38 years that got to go home after 38 years. But in this particular story here, I looked at it last year. I I think we did a series of walking in the footsteps of Jesus. And um, I preached on Mark chapter 2, and I looked at it from the lens of the friends. Lens of the friends. I'm a poet and didn't even know it. I do it all the time. You guys see that? That's the Holy Spirit. But I looked at it from the context of these four friends. How many of y'all know you need the right people in your life? How many of y'all know we rise and fall to the level of our friends? Birds of a feather flock together. You've got to have the right people in your life. And what I looked at it last year from that particular text, and what I love about Mark's gospel is this. He's the only one that tells the story of them going up on the roof and climb and, and gouging out the roof to, to lower the paralyzed person down there. Matthew doesn't, doesn't talk about it that way. Other gospels don't because Mark sees things. What I love about the book of Mark is because he sees it from the heart of a servant. He sees it from the, the, the lens of Jesus where I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. In fact, when we look at Revelation chapter 4, when the apostle John is at the at the uh, island of Patmos, and he looks across the sea of glass there, and he sees the four faces of the Messiah. He sees the lion, he sees the ox, he sees the man, and he sees the eagle. And as we break down the four Gospels, we see them in order. We see Matthew as the lion, we see Mark as the ox, we see Luke, where we studied the, the, the book of, G- well, it's where we studied Christmas, where he is the man. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews that he came in... Uh, that he was tempted in all three ways as man is, as we see uh, where he was led by the spirit in the wilderness, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We see that in the book of Luke, the story of him coming as a baby, and we celebrate at Christmas. And then the book of John is the only, the only book where it talks about the story of Lazarus, that he is the eagle, he is the resurrection. That's a whole different sermon for a different time. But the book of Mark, it represents the ox. That in Isaiah 53 says that he was the beast of burdens. For us. How many of y'all thankful that he was the beast of burden for you and I? That we can still cast all our care on him for he cares for us. He's the lowly servant of the ox. And so what Mark sees about the text more than other gospels is that he surrounded himself that served their people around him. I'm telling you, if we're going to have a homecoming, God wants to use you. God wants you to have, uh, God wants you to invite him to the house. That could be you ripping the roof off. 
God wants you to be used through you to invite that neighbor and that coworker and that friend. And we have some invite cards out there today that can break the ice of say, hey, just take one of these. I'd love to see you at church. But God wants to use us. And last year, looking at friends, I, I saw this, that we need people in our life that doesn't keep us at the mundane and stay at the place that we are. I don't know about you. I want friends in my, my, in my corner that will elevate me. That will say, you know what, we can't get in this door, so we're going to go up to the roof. You're not going to stay in the same mindset. I need you as a friend to see that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You're more than a conqueror. That greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That if God be for you, then who in the world can be against you? You're not going to see that down here. But I'm going to go from faith to faith to glory to glory. I'm going up to higher places, and I want to have people that are going to get me there. What I love about the text is the Bible says the room was full. How many of y'all know a room ought to be full where Jesus is? And he was preaching the word. We need a revival of the Bible. That's, it's not like he was doing anything uh, they didn't know. He was preaching the word to them, the Bible says. And so... Uh, they, they elevate him up to the roof. But last year, I, I looked at it from the context of this, and just to, not to beat a dead horse, but you need to be reminded of this. How many times do we come to a door, and it's not easy to go to, through, and we think to ourselves, this isn't God? Right? Like, it doesn't fit me. Like, we come to church, oh, it's too cold. I ain't coming back. It's too hot. I'm not coming back. It's too loud. I'm not coming back. Somebody was sitting in my chair. They know I've been parking there for 15 years. And you think you just show up as a visitor and you can park in my parking space? I don't think so. The door has shut. There's another church down the road that will accept my parking space. All right? Right? Come on, I'm preaching to you all right now and it's good stuff. All right, stepping on some toes, but you need to hear this stuff. How many times do we not get the place of deliverance because we stop at the first door? Can I tell you right now, I wouldn't have kids today if I stopped at the first door of miscarriage. I wouldn't have kids today if I would have stopped at the second door of miscarriage. But God put a dream in my heart inside of that house, and it didn't matter how, how high I had to get there. I was going to walk by faith and not by sight. If I got to get up on a roof and dig some things out, I'm going to get in there, and I'm going to get what God has in store for me. And sometimes it's not packaged the way we think it ought to be packaged. We thought it would be so easy. Oh, this is going to be a piece of cake. It's just going to be a dream. Walking on a dream. I'm telling you, it's because of those places that will elevate you to the faith that God has in store for you to get you ready for being inside the house. And it doesn't, that doesn't mean that God doesn't want you inside the house. Sometimes it's not the right time. Sometimes God wants to put some new people in your life that will, as iron sharpens iron. Sometimes God wants to put a divine appointments of people that gets the puzzle perfectly clear. Like, like whatever that business is. I'm telling you, if you're going to open up a business, it ain't going to be butterflies and cheesecake. There's going to be some things that you're going to have to go through. And when you get to the door that looks shut... But God still put it in your heart as a dream. You're going to have to get some people in your corner that will elevate you. And you will begin to dig it out and go to the place in the right place at the right time for such a time as this. Am I making some sense this morning? But I, 
I don't want to look at the lens of the friends this morning. I want to look, I want to do something a little bit different. I want to look through the lens of the paralytic man. Because I believe there's people in here that are paralyzed and they don't even know it. Uh, when I write, I, I've studied this in the Greek before, and there's lots of good context out there, commentary about paralyzed. This means, obviously, that his body was not working. I believe that he could talk, that he could reason, but his body was not doing what his mind said to do. So let's just come down to a very elementary level here. And we might think to ourselves, well, I don't associate with that person. Uh, we had somebody in the first service, actually my uncle, Uncle Van, he was in here and probably the end of January, he took a tumble, broke his ankle, and he also did something in his neck, and it caused him not to have any, any feelings in his shoulder, arms, and hands. So wherever they lied, that's where they were. He could not lift his arms. I mean, we had to feed him, we had to do everything. But through the power of God... He did, he did have a surgery, and there's some things, but they, they gave him a very bad report at the time. And saying, I don't know how much you, you will have arm movability. I don't know much, how much hand movability you will have. I'm telling you, I was over there the other day. As long as you can chop it up, he can stab it with a fork, and he can stick it in his mouth. He went from no motion to lots of motion. Come on. Praise God. And... And, and so maybe he could, he could relate to a paralyzed person, but there's many of you in here, you're thinking, well, I've never been paralyzed. I don't associate with him. Well, I'm here to tell you, I believe by the end of this, I think you might, you might associate with him. Because just very on an elementary level, what is happening to the paralyzed person, his body doesn't move. What is happening is his mind is sending a signal to his body, but his body is not doing what his mind wants to do. You're like, still, you're, I don't follow you, preacher. Okay, let me just go ahead and break it down to beans and cornbread here. Your body says, my mind says yes. I know it's different, but this is for the text. But my body says no. How many times do we do something where we say this? Where we say, I'll never do that again right here. But inside of our body, our actions show different than what our mind is doing. How many times do I see people come and cry and boo-hoo at the altar? And in their mind and in their spirit, I really feel like they want to do what's right. But when they leave here, they're still set up for failure and their body doesn't match up to what their mind wants to do. Like people that come to the altar and in their mind and out of their mouth, they say, I do to one another, but their body action shows something differently. So I just want to ask the question again, how many of y'all have ever associated with a paralyzed person before? Go ahead and lift your hand and say, I've been the paralyzed person before. I'll lift both hands and wear it proud, Doug, because I've been that person. Where it's like, you know what Paul says, I do the things I don't want to do, but I do the things that I do do want to do do. <laughs> but that's the kind of life that you live. You live a do-do life because you don't, your, your, your body is not submitted to your spirit. Well, what, what's that scripture where, where it says, I may not be with you in the body, but I am in the spirit. What he's saying is we got to connect the things. It's in Colossians, I believe. We've got to connect it. We've got to connect the dots. And so you got, you got to go into the text like we did yesterday. I'm going to go. I already, 
I was a youth pastor for many years, so don't judge. But I've got a bed here. The paralytic was on a mat, or he was on a bed. Oh, yeah. Isn't it a pretty bed? Some of you are thinking, I didn't even make my bed this morning. Come back to me. Come back to me. Let me go ahead and make this bed here. I probably need some helpers for this, but... uh, He's lying in a bed. So I want you to think about the text here. Here's a person that his mind is working, but his body is not lining up to it. He, uh, he wouldn't be on the bed if everything was working properly. So I want to ask you, what systems do you have in your life that don't work properly? Sometimes we don't confront what's wrong. We comfort what's wrong. Oh, boy. I hope you wore your steel-toe boots because this is going to go somewhere real quick. And so what we do is, rather than confronting something, we comfort something. And what we do is, is we make a bed for things and we call them excuses. We lie in the bed. We lie in the bed of a fence. My dad was offended. My mom was offended. You go back down my line. In every branch of the tree, we were offended people. We were mad all the time. And because of my family tree, can I tell you, you don't live of that family anymore. And rather than making a bed for it, I think about people that make a bed for their personality. Let's just face it. You're a jerk. You're brash. You're rude. You have no friends. You lose friends all the time because you are a J-E-R-K. You are a jerk, and everybody knows it. Come on, I'm talking to somebody this morning. And you're like, well, it's because of my Irish line. You ain't Irish. You, don't, you sound like a Texan or a Texican. Well, I'm from back east. I says to my kids, you know, this is just the way we are. We're road people. Come on. Where's my stogie? This is where I'm from. So I make a bed for it. What am I doing? I'm making an excuse for it. I'm telling you, you can make a bed not to go to work tomorrow. You can make a bed not to be a good parent. Oh, oh, here's a good one. I was broke. I'm broke. My parents were broke. Their parents were broke. And so I'm just going to make a bed, and I'm going to realize that I'm going to be broke the rest of my life. Rather than times where you can get wisdom or counsel from somebody on how to build a budget and get things right and stop living in bondage the rest of your life. You don't have to lay in that bed of being broke the rest of your life. I'm going to say that again. You don't have to lay in that bed of being broke the rest of your life. You don't have to do it. I'm telling you, there, we, we make excuses for all kinds of things. Oh, here's one. I need a little reminder there. Tempers. I just blow this. It's just, it's just what I do. No, it's not. You're a new creation in Christ. Old things have hope. Whatever. New creation in Christ, old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become brand new. Come on. You don't, you don't have to lay in the bed of temper just because your grandpappy's pappy's pappy was a mad, angry Indian. It doesn't mean since you have one-tenth of Indian in you that you have to act like a wild Comanche. Come on. No, I'm talking to the body of Christ this morning. 
I'm asking people out there, you say, well, I've never been paralyzed. No, I want to ask you again, have you been paralyzed? What are some things that you've made a bed for? That you're still living in that bed of defeat today? Are you guys getting something at all already? Mom, this is just the chips and queso. We're going to get to the meal in a minute. But I'm telling you, let's not make a bet. And another thing that I noticed about the text is like I studied this word paralyzed. Everything was present, but just not everything was connected. So he has, he has feet to walk. He has legs to walk. He has hands to get him up out of the bed, but not everything was connected. Think about this. Have you ever been present, but not present? Have you ever been present and not connected? Like I'm talking to the dads out there. You may be home. Your butt may be in the lazy boy, but you're not connected to the family. Like mom, you might be present, you might be there, you might be cooking, you might do, be doing all the things that you do because moms are rock stars, but you know what you really need to do? You need to be present, but you also need to be connected. I'm also talking to people out there with jobs. The last thing your company needs is another warm body. I watched a TikTok the other day, how I always get promotions, and what he did was, he said, I've just learned this. When I go from my office to the break room, from the break room to wherever, I just walk fast. And it makes me look like I'm doing something. <laughs> can I tell you, you can do that all you want to, but not be connected? You can be walking and not connected. You can be out of the bed and not be connected. He was present, but he wasn't connected. I want to talk to the dads. You need to be connected to your family. Come on. We need to be connected to our family. Husbands, you need to be, you might not just need to be present, but you need to be connected to your wife. Wife, you don't just need to be present. You need to be connected to your husband. If you're not connected, you can't be respected. I rhymed again, Pastor Shannon. Telling you. I'm going to sign a record label by the end of this message here. If you're not connected, you know what you are? You're dysfunctional. And I'm telling you, there's so many people that live in dysfunction all of their lives and think that that's the way it's supposed to be. I'm telling you, God wants you to function properly. I don't care what your family history, trauma, and all that different stuff is. I'm telling you, if you literally lean in today, you can come home to a function. Amen? And so thinking about the text, I just thought about in, in Psalm 1, verse 1, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, nor stands in the way of sinners, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And if he meditates on it day and night, he'd be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth due fruit in due season. He says, Our leaf will not wither, and whatever we put our hand to shall and will prosper. Here's the thing. If you're going to put your hand to something that prospers, it tells us in the verse 1 that he who blesses the man who walks, who sits, who stands. You can't lie in the bed and be successful. Someone needs to hear this today. You can't lie in the bed and be successful. In the physical, get out of bed and go to work. Are you hearing me, YouTube? Millennials. 
Really, everybody. Get out of bed and go to work. How many of y'all know things happen when we get out of the bed? And so whatever we, and so thinking about this, talking about, don't just take up a space. Like if you're going to sign up for something, do it. Don't just be present, be connected. Like if you're going to volunteer, I'm going to say this, be faithful. I'm going to say this, if you're going to have a baby, raise it. Don't make me think at Walmart, oh, I'd love to just have five minutes. Five minutes. How many of y'all have ever thought that before? Don't look at me judgmental. You've all had the same thoughts. Don't get married if you don't plan on saying, till death do us part. What I'm saying is this, don't just be present, be connected. If you're not connected, you can't be respected. Excuses are a bed. We all make them. And if you're going to take up space, you might as well function. And I believe, just looking at the text here, I'm sure I can look into the spirit realm and see this, that the man is tired of laying inside of a bed. How many of y'all know you get bed sores when you lay in a bed long enough? You get weak when you're laying inside of a bed long enough. And what I love about verse 3 here, we already looked at a little bit. It says, then they came bringing him a paralyzed man who was being carried by four men. Right away, I see this. He's carried by four men. How many of you know friends are so important? I'm going to say it again. How many of y'all know friends are important? I know we've talked about this, but friends are important. Um, I love it that he aligns himself with people that make him function. You know, we have enough people in our life, people that come to the crisis, but we don't have enough people to carry us to the deliverance. You know, we have enough people on Facebook to say, hey, so-and-so died, please pray for this family. And then you have people on there say, well, well, how'd he die? Or how'd she die? Well, it's none of your business. Just pray for them. I don't need people just to show up to the crisis of what's going on and get involved in all the drama. I'm telling you, we have enough of those people in our life. We need some people that is going to carry us to deliverance. So me as a friend, I'm going to think about this. I'm not going to be the person that's just going to show up to the crisis just to be there. I'm going to be the one that shows up and say, there's deliverance that needs to be done. Let's get on the roof and climb through some roof, go through some roofs to go for the deliverance that God has in store for us. So we have enough of those people. In fact, Proverbs 13 and verse 20 says, He that walketh with the wise shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. I mean, y'all know the Bible says iron sharpens iron. I don't know about you, but I want to get around people that are going to encourage me to know the Word of God more. I have a very good understanding of the Word, but I like to get around people that are going to open my eyes, the spirit man on the inside of me, to what the Word of God says. The Bible tells us in in Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10, and we looked at this during the relationship series, but it says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up this fellow, up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. What I love about the text, he doesn't surround himself with more four, four other paralyzed men. 
Can I tell you, I can look at people all the time. I can see why they're broke because they hang around broke people. And I'm not saying anything wrong with broke people. But I'm just telling you, if you want to get better, you need to get people around people that are better than you. Like if you want to be better at whatever it is. Like at wrestling practice, I tell Anson, you, he wants to wrestle with this kid because he pins him every practice. I'm like, what's the good in that, son? You need to get pinned every practice. Because how many of y'all know it's in those places where you get better? You get better. So he doesn't surround himself with more four paralyzed men. He surrounds himself with walkers. (laughs) Think about this. He's laying in the bed. He's been laying in that bed. No telling how long. But he can't get up. And people walking, this makes no sense to him. Like, how are you doing that? I don't know about you, but I want to get around people that says, however you found a way to do that, you're going to push me to get to that place. Like that business that you have that you just walked up with, that looks bigger than me because I've been laying in this bed for so long. I mean, a walking to him just looked foreign. But he still got around walkers. Like you may be sitting next to somebody that lifts their hands, that actually sings, that actually seeks the Lord, and you think to yourself, how in the world? You keep sitting next to them. I'm telling you, it's going to rub off on you. Just look out. Keep doing it, though. Don't stay in the bed. Say, don't stay in the bed. Don't stay in the bed. When you're with people... You need to get around people that walk and I don't, I, I said this in first service and I don't mean this mean, I don't need more company. Like I got plenty of friends. Like telling the staff on staff meeting on Tuesday, I love all of you. Not to say that we can't be close to you, but I need more friends like a hole in the head. I need people that will get some movement done. I don't need company. I got great company. I have great company. I have kids at home. I have a wife at home, and I love that company. But you know what I need in this particular place where I need deliverance, where I need to, uh, uh, mountains to be moved? I need some movement. Let's not stay at the place where we are. Now we get to verse 4. I need to hurry here. Where you are in second service? We'll be out by one. It says, when they... When they Don't tempt me. When they were unable to get him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above Jesus. And when they had dug out, that means to gouge out like eyes, and opening, they let down the mat or the bed on which the paralyzed man was lying. How many of y'all know obstacles will change your life? And this separates the men from the boys. If you confront an obstacle and quit, you're still a boy. Faith is born out of obstacles. I'm telling you, it's not faith unless there's an obstacle there. Right? It's faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And so, I've got to learn how to exercise my faith in the midst of the circumstance. I've got to learn how to exercise my faith in the midst of the distraction that is ahead of me. I've got to learn how to exercise my faith with the obstacle that is ahead of me because I can't get in the door here. And so, you need to learn this. When you hit a wall... 
Faith should rise up. Rise up. Right? So they come to the wall and they say, all right, we're going to have to go around. They don't abort the mission. They say, well, there's a will, there's a way. If God be for me, then who in the world can be against me? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right? And something happens on the inside. They don't abort the mission. Can I tell you this? Here's a nugget. Don't surround yourself with just faithful people. And how many of y'all thank God for the faithful friends that you have? I don't know about you, but I don't want just faithful people. I want faith-filled people. Like when I get the bad report that's going to say, you know what? You may have got that report, but Psalm 107.20 says he sent his word and he healed you and delivered you from all destruction. The one that says 1 Peter 2.24 says that by his stripes you are healed. The one that says Isaiah 53.5 says the chastisement of your, his peace was upon you and that by his stripes you are healed. Like when I'm in that financial hurt where he says, remember, cast all your care on him for he cares for you. Remember, he supplies all your needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I will say to the Lord, he's my refuge, he's my fortress, it's him that I put my trust. So when I hit a wall, I need faith-filled people, not just faithful people. Surround yourself with wall climbers. But think about the text. Can you imagine them holding this bed trying to get up the side of that? I'm sure it was like riding the Batman ride or something scary to that of these four men that are carrying this paralyzed man up onto the roof. Just think about it. But you know, as I was studying this text, think about this. Sometimes it's the roughest of moments right before your deliverance. How many of y'all can just think about the time that you were delivered or the time that God showed up in the midnight hour, the God of suddenly that we talked about last time? How many of y'all know that's some of the brokest times? That's the most hurtful times? That's the most times where you want to throw in the towel and say, he's not there for me? But it's in those moments that you need to be reminded. It was in the midnight hour. It was in the midnight hour. Come on, I'm telling you, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Think about the rough ride that he's getting going up the side of that wall. Surround yourself with those wall climbers that will stick with you even through the roughest of times. So picture it. They're on the roof. They're elevated. They're up here now. And they're thinking to themselves, there ain't no going back. We got you up here. And we still can't get to the room. There's still no way to Jesus. And they begin to tear. I don't know about you, but I want some roof tears too in my life. But also too, I just think about the text here. And somebody needs to hear this. The closer he got to Jesus, the further he got away from his friends. And I'm not saying these are bad people, but I'm just saying you're upset maybe about somebody that's not in your life anymore. They just got to the place to where you needed to go. And now there's new people that need to take it up and get you even closer to Jesus. So don't get upset when they put that post on Facebook and all that garbage. I'm telling you, God has you right where you need to be. God has you right where you need to be. Don't get upset that he left. Don't get upset that she's gone anymore because the closer he got to Jesus, the further he got away from those so-called friends. I'm talking to somebody right now. I know it by the Spirit of God. 
So there's some people we just need to turn over to the Lord. Right? Some of you are gladly. You're making a phone call this afternoon. I'm giving you to God. <laughs> uh, that's all you got to say, dude. Just hang up. I'm giving you to the Lord. <laughs> say it with a T, Lord. I'm giving you to the Lord. Now we get to verse 5. John, if you want to go ahead and come and play our worship team. What I love about the text, go with me in the text here. Go, go, go with me with vision. When Jesus saw their faith, everybody say their faith. Come on, everybody say their faith. Like you came in today, maybe you didn't have an ounce or a drop of faith, but because of the faith of the room, there was belief inside of your heart. Their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. What I love about the text is God or Jesus doesn't deal with his condition. He deals with his position. He doesn't deal with the condition of him being a paralyzed man and not knowing how long he's walked. He's dealing with the fact that now he's before him. That he didn't give up at the door. That he didn't give up at the wall. That he didn't give up at the roof. They, did, they didn't give up anywhere. They kept pursuing until they got at the foots of Jesus. Can I tell you today, if you're out there, no matter what you're going through, there may be a condition that is so bad. That it's so bad. God's not looking at what you did, who you hurt, who you manipulated, what kind of things of how you've fallen off the wagon. God's not looking about what you watched, what you smoked, what you put in your arm, how many times you've hurt people. There's sin inside of your life. Can I tell you today, God's not looking at your condition. He's looking at your position that you're in the house of the living God. Can I tell you, he's not looking at all the things of yesterday. He's looking at today and saying this, I positioned you there for such a time as this. I positioned you in the presence of God for such a time as this. I positioned you under the anointing of the teaching of the word for such a time as this. So don't look at your condition this morning. Look at your position of where you can go from here. He says, son, as paralyzed and dysfunctional as you are, I want a relationship with you. Can I tell you today, as paralyzed and dysfunctional as you are, and I'm telling you, I'm talking to a room, I promise you there's a lot of paralyzed people in here today. And I proved it to you. And God's telling me to tell you the same thing as he told this son. As paralyzed and dysfunctional as you are today, I want a relationship with you. Can I tell you, that's the good news. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. As messed up and as hurt as we are, as broken as we are, as paralyzed as we are, he still wants a relationship with us. Also, too, uh, you would be foolish not to look at the text here because I believe there's some people that are dealing with this today. That the minute he says, son, thy sins are forgiven you, there were scribes and Pharisees and religious people that said, uh-uh. The minute grace showed up, the critics showed up. And you know what this did in my heart? This made me think to myself, there, there's people that come, and they come to this altar, and they come to this altar, and they come to this altar. If I'm not careful, I will be the same way, the critic. You know what I'm going to do in my heart? and say, I, I, I truly believe this is the time. This is the time he's going to get it right. This is the time she's going to get it right. 
But I also want to encourage you out there, the minute grace shows up, the thief always shows up too. That's why he told him, Mark 11, he said, have faith in God. That's why he told him, he said, you got to build your house on the rock and not on the sand because you're going to get the same moments. He said, you're going you're gonna to have wind blow and you're going to have rain and you're going to have all this stuff, but the one who builds on the rock will stand. The one who builds his house on the sand, it will blow away. So can I, can I ask a question? How many of y'all have experienced grace and the critic at the same time? I know I have. I know I have. But it goes on to say this. Yeah, and, and just, I don't know, thinking about that, you know why they criticize in a moment of grace? It's because they're paralyzed. Paralyzed people want you to join them in the bed of paralyzed. Like if you're walking and doing good, they don't want to see that. Because that's beyond what they could do. Broke people want to break people. Hurt people want to hurt people. So I want to think about your life today. What are those things you've been putting on Facebook? What are those comments? What are those bashes? What are those texts that you're sending back and forth to somebody to manipulate and get under their skin? I'm telling you, it's because you're paralyzed and you want them paralyzed with you. Y'all stay with me here. I'm almost done. Give me five minutes. He said, son, your sins are forgiven. Can I tell you, there's no better feeling than being a son. It changes everything. If you're out there and you've been forgiven and God has called you a son, it ought to change everything. When you're a son, you ought to pray differently. When you're a daughter, you ought to worship differently. When you're a son, you ought to read the word a little bit differently. When you're a daughter, you ought to treat people just a little bit differently. Amen? We got to treat people a little bit differently. It also, not only did it change the relationship with people, with the relationship with God, but it also did this. It changed his relationship with the bed. You know, I see too many people that say, son, your sins are still forgiven. And they still want to stay in the bed. How many of y'all know you're new? You don't think that way anymore. You don't talk that way anymore. You don't do those things anymore. I'm here to tell you this morning, get out of the bed. Get out of the bed. Get out of the bed. Get out of, I'm messing up here. Get out of the bed. Can I say it again? Get out of the bed. And so what does he say to him? He said, get up, pick up your mat, and go home. What are we talking about? We're talking about homecoming. So he's saying, you know that thing, that depression, that anxiety, that fear, that brokenness, all of what that bed represents, what I want you to do is I want you to pick that nasty thing up and I want you to leave here saying no longer does this define me. I control it. It don't control me no more. My temper, I control it. Brokenness, I control it. Anger, I control it. Depression, I control it. Anxiety, I control it. It don't control me anymore. And I'm sure that he said, mostly he was saying this. 
This is Peter's house, and he don't want that nasty bed in his home. Right? I'm going to tell you the same thing. You don't want this nasty bed in your home anymore. I'm sure when he walked out, he's like, you know what? I don't need that bed anymore. But why was it that he came home? Why was it that he came home? He came home to a mama that he saw had been paralyzed for many years of some kind of hurt. Come on, put yourself in the story right here of some kind of thing that happened when you were 15 and 20 years old. Of something that happened when you were a little boy or you were a little girl. He came home and said, you know what? The bed doesn't define me anymore. I'm a new creation in Christ. I've gotten up. I've gotten up. I have gotten up. I'm no longer laying in it anymore. I'm no longer making an excuse for it anymore. What I'm doing is now going to the road of victory. And I'm going home. You know what I'm believing God for? I'm believing as the church prays. I'm believing for all of those that are paralyzed that they're coming home. I'm also believing that those of you that are in the room, that you're paralyzed, that you're coming home. That you're coming home. That you're coming home. That you're coming home in Jesus' name. So who can believe with me? You've got to invite somebody. Don't be... You know, a paralyzed friend. Be a walker. Invite somebody. Who got something out of the word today? Be a walker. 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 Be a roof tearer. Be a wall climber. Come on. God wants to use you. God wants to use me to bring deliverance. We we don't. We don't need another person showing up to the crisis. We need somebody taking us to the deliverance. Right? Every head bowed and every eye closed. You say, Pastor, you're talking to me today. Just lift your hand. You're talking to me. You're talking to me. You're talking to me. Just keep your hand raised. You're talking to me. I've been paralyzed. I've made a bed for it. And you know what? You don't want to die in the bed anymore. You don't want to die in the bed anymore. Come on, lift your hand. God sees that faith. Lift your hand. Lift your hand. Lift your hand. God, I just pray for these. I pray for them right now in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, that you are moving mightily in their midst. I pray, God, that you are opening eyes to see and ears to hear right now. Lord, whatever that trauma is, whatever that hurt is, whatever that pain is, God, we we give it to you right now. And we say, son, your sins are forgiven. We say, daughter, your sins are forgiven. Lord, I lift these people up to you. Lord, you know their condition of their heart. I pray, God, that right now that they would begin to, uh, that you would grant unto them by your rich treasure and glory. Lord, strengthen them. Reinforce them with might to their inner man, the Holy Spirit himself, to their inmost being and personality. God, I pray that right now they would experience the height, the depth, the length, and width of your love. I pray, Lord, that the love of God sets something on the inside of them that changes them, that molds them, that pushes them to the person, to the man, to the woman that you've created them to be, that they would no longer lay in the bed. But, Lord, today that they get up, they get up in Jesus' name. That they go where you've called them to go. That they would do what you've called them to do. Lord, do a miracle inside of them right now in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, for divine appointments of people. Not paralyzed people, but people that are in their corner. That are pushing them. Pushing them.
pushing them, driving them not to stay in the bed any longer. Lord, I pray that you're getting rid of friends and you're making new ones. You're making new ones right now in Jesus' name. Also, if you're in this room and you say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and personal Savior. Maybe you're lying in the bed of, of sin in your life. i just here to tell you the good news. The Bible says that he died, he was buried, and on the third day he rose again. You say, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. You don't know who I've hurt. No, I don't. I don't care. The Bible says that he'll forgive us as far as the east is from the west. There's two people this morning in the first service that acknowledge this. That they were away from Jesus and they prayed this sinner's prayer. The Bible says, confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you're away from God, don't stay away. It's time to come run. Come home today. Come home today. Come home today. So if you're out there and you say, you know what, I'm away from home. It's time to come home. I want to pray with you. Get this right. If that's you and you say, you know what, Pastor, that's me. I can honestly say that I'm away from Christ or you never prayed the sinner's prayer. Today is the day of salvation. That's the good news. It's not what you do, but it's everything he's already done for you. You're not saved of works, but you're saved by grace. If you're out there and you say, Pastor, that's me. One, two, three. Raise your hand. That's you. You say, Pastor, I need to come back. I need to come back. I need to get things right with Christ. We're not going to live paralyzed anymore. How many of y'all, we're not going to live paralyzed anymore? We're going to walk, wake up, get up, healed, set free, delivered, and go after what God has in store for us. Thanks for joining us. We want to thank all of you who give to our ministries here at AOL Church. It's because of you that all of this is possible. You can give now by clicking the link below. And if you haven't already, subscribe and share this message. It helps us reach more people and share the gospel through you. Be sure to stay connected to us through our Church Center app, our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and follow us on social media like Facebook and Instagram. May the Lord bless you and keep you. His face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. Thanks again for listening. Go and make a difference today.